Um, I was thinking just earlier today, I hadn't heard from Jerry Lewis in a while. And he just shows up tonight. Amen? And I, I, I almost sent you a text. I said, I'm going to text Brother Lewis and see what's going on. And here he is. <laughs> Amen. Well, I've asked Brother Lewis if he'll come and preach for us. And um, I don't know if he said he would or not, but I said, you're preaching. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. He did tell me he's willing to preach. And we appreciate it, brother. Why don't you come on up? And we do have some new people here that haven't heard from you. If you don't mind, just kind of introduce yourself and uh, give us an update on your prison ministry. And... Uh, and your eyes. You had your eyes worked on, right? And you're able to see much better now. And I'll tell you, that's a blessing. I'm happy for you, brother. Bless you. Thank you. You want to use this? You want me to use this thing or what? No. No? You're being recorded. That's what, what uh, we've got right there. That's just a decoy, though. Throw you off. <laughs> I think I told you this, but I was preaching one night at Cornerstone Baptist Church down in Moore, Oklahoma. And I didn't know it was being videoed and live streamed or whatever. And uh, I fell over backwards on the pulpit. Just kind of rolled up on my back. They put that up on YouTube? It, they said they did, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know that. So I rocked up, and the young man that I've known since he was a kid run over, Brother Jerry, let me help you. And I said, I can handle this. And I couldn't get up, so he had to come and help me back up. <laughs> It wouldn't have been so bad, but I was preaching on humility. <laughs> and I didn't really stop. I just kind of kept going. I figured, yeah, well. And then I found out it was, on, it, was, it was out there. And I thought, oh, boy, this is great. Well, for those of you that don't know, my name is Jerry Lewis. And I don't play the piano. And I never got any of those checks for my kids. So, but... Uh, I do preach in the, men, in the prisons mostly now. I go down to a place called Lark down at Lexington. And I've been, I've been going to Lexington uh, over 25 years. I don't know how long. And uh, the ministry down there, it's very, it's very unusual. A lot of people, they, they have the wrong idea of what it is to go into prison and preach. And listen, when I go into that prison, I have never felt threatened. Never. Never. In fact, when it was an open yard, an open yard means that they can be out. Was that before you could see, or is that true now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go now, on. I can get my feelings hurt pretty pretty easy. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it, it's not an open yard. But when it used to be an open yard and the prisoners are out everywhere... When I would go through Central, get checked in, searched, and all that stuff, and get my shoes back on, and walking out, there'd be two men standing there waiting on me. And they would escort me down to the chapel just to make sure. I really, I have never, never felt any, any danger at all down there. I preached at Granite Reformatory, one of the oldest prisons in the state of Oklahoma. I never, it was an open yard. I've never felt any problem there. And I've been to a wood down at uh, uh, it's Holdenville, I believe it is. I've been to several. Never have had a problem. The Oklahoma County Jail. I used to go up into the pods. But down there at, at, the, at, at the prison, the Oklahoma prison system, the DOC, there's a, you have to go through the process. You've got to go to these training sessions ever so often and get your badge and, and background check. And, yes, I passed. And it was no problem because I don't go back so far. But uh, then, then you get a spot. You have to get a spot, a time to come in. And it, usually, it was very hard to get a good spot. I went on Wednesday nights for I don't know how many years. But we got a new chaplain in down there about eight, almost nine years ago that used to pastor Suburban Baptist, which is now Cornerstone and Moore, named Ron Lindsay. And when he got in there, it changed. I mean, the, the atmosphere changed. And all of a sudden, I got two Sunday mornings. I got the first Sunday and the fourth Sunday. So if there's only four Sundays in a month, I preach the fourth and the first back to back. You don't get that. You just that doesn't just happen. So I get I get that. That's a real privilege that I get. And then there's other times I get to go 
places and preach. But the thing about the prison, these guys, listen, there's men in there that are serving the Lord just as faithful, living just as good a life as, as most people out here. Probably better than most. They really are. And let me tell you something. They got access to a lot of stuff. Don't think they don't. They do. Because every once in a while, I will, in my message, I happen to bring out smoking joints and bad reading material and jokes and language. I bring all that out because it's there. It's just as, it's there. It's easy to get. Doesn't seem like it should be, but it's easy to get. That's why when I go in, I'm happy they check me out. Really, I, I che they check the bottom of my feet. I don't want. I, I don't know. I ain't taking nothing in there, and because I don't want to get accused of it. And uh, so, how does it get in there? I don't know for sure how it gets in there, but it does. Now, uh, what I what, what happened down there a few years ago, many years ago, was people were getting saved down there, but I, we we couldn't baptize them. So somebody else was coming in and baptizing them, just anybody. So went to my pastor at Southwest Baptist Church, and I explained to him the situation. He said, well, my goodness, we'll just give you the authority under Southwest Baptist to baptize down there. So from then on, somebody gets saved. I could, you know, I'd deal with them, talk to them about it, and then the next time I'd down there, we'd baptize them. There's a portable Amen. baptistry in there. And I would go up to the church, and I would get a, like a baptismal certificate have them made it up just so when they had it when they get out they can take that wherever they go and give it to that church and there it is they've been scripturally baptized and uh, so that's what goes on but now there's now there's a there's an institution that's teaching a a uh, it's a pastoral class is what it amounts to and, and it, they're going to be four-year school they're, they're studying everything you can think of. I don't particularly care for the group that's doing it, but at least they believe in eternal security. Amen. But it, it's, it's OBU down at Stillwater, down at Shawnee. They're coming in and they teach, I think it's four or five days a week. And here's the, here's, here's the way God works on this stuff. There's th they, they could take 40 men. Well, 35 signed up, and it's expensive. Somebody, we don't know who, paid it all. Every penny of it. And the prison, they have the warden, the, the warden and the chaplain get along so we don't have such an influence. All of these 35 men are in one, what they call a pod. That's all that's in there. Amen. And the classroom is right there by it. I went in the classroom and my goodness, it's, it's nice. It really is. They all got laptops, they, they, what do they call them, iPads maybe? And they can hook up to the library down there at, at Shawnee. And uh, it, it's just amazing what's going on in there. It, it really is. There's some men in there. Uh, I'll let them preach more than probably I, I'm going to in the future so they can get used to preaching. But uh, I kind of told the chaplain I want to go back to preaching because it's one thing to have it up here, study it in the classroom, and then be able to preach it. And uh, I, so I told him I needed to. He, he understood. I used this. And I'm going to get into the message here in a minute. I used a scripture this morning. Years ago, I was teaching the teachers how to develop a lesson over at Southwest Baptist Church. And there, I don't know how many teachers there are. There's a bunch of them. And I used Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. And I thought I could find it pretty easy. And I might be able to. Well, I just went right by it. But I want you to, I'm going to read this scripture to you. And this is what I'm trying to get across to these new men down there that are studying the word of God and Future, you know, maybe to be preachers. Now look what it says here. Now, well, let me read it to you. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly. Distinctly. In other words, they made it, they clarified it. They clarified it. Then it says, and gave the sense. Why did they do that? And caused them, those out there, those that were with them, to understand the reading. And I went over that with a lot of these guys that are going to this Bible college because they're coming in there with stuff that <laughs> they don't know for sure themselves and they're throwing it out there and I tried to get them to say, hey, look, if, if you can't clarify it, you're just causing confusion 
You know, you can't do that. But anyway, that's just some of the things that's going on down there. It, it's it's good. It's, it's it's really good. But there's always always a drawback. But that's the way it is. It's a good ministry. It, it's a great ministry. I've never had a problem. Uh, and uh, I, I I tell you what, I just soon preach service anywhere. I really would. I really would. Now I know that may sound weird, but except here, <laughs> except here, because your pastor is so good to me. You know what he did? He sent a picture of Jerry Lewis, the comedian, to one of your beloved church members and told him it was me. Your pastor did that. Huh? The under-shepherd of this flock told one of your, told one of your precious sheep that. And then I walk in the door and I get it. And then he asked me to preach, so I'm, I've got something to say. <laughs> now, I appreciate the opportunity, Pastor, I really do. And uh, I know sometimes I stumble around on the prison ministry because I just, uh, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's not like TV, let me tell you that. It's not like TV. You understand these TV, well, now let's look at first, uh, let's look at Second Peter. Second Peter, and while I'm turning there, when you put a camera on someone, they're going to do something stupid. They're going to say something. You know what I mean? To make the show. That's what you get on TV. You, it, that doesn't go on down anymore in the, any of the prisons I've ever been in. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and I brought a message similar to this. I looked through my notes, and then it was uh, in 2015 down at Granite, I preached a message similar to this. And I'm bad at taking notes and marking dates and times, so I may have preached something similar to that here. But here's why this is on my mind. It seems to be that there's some Calvinism seeming to grow. It's seeming to surface in, in organization and churches and, and uh, fellowships that, that you would never dreamed it was there. It, but it, but it, it's coming strong. Now, Calvinism is what they believe is that that there's an elect group that'll be saved. So why witness anybody? If they're, they're, they're elect, they're predestined to be saved, and they're going to be saved. And that's, that's just not scriptural. Right. That's right. They do believe in eternal security, though. Yeah. That's, that's one good thing. Now, Second Peter chapter 3, did I say chapter 3? Yes, Look at verse 8. Well, I, let, let's back this up. What's going on here? Peter's talking to the people and he's giving them illustration, sort of. And he mentions how that at one time this world was, was flooded, destroyed by water. And he's using that scenario, how the people acted back, back then, how they didn't really, they didn't believe Noah. They didn't think it's never rained before. This guy's nuts. What's he doing building that box thing over there and there's no water around? He, he's talking about it's going to rain. It's never rained. They know what rain was. And so he's, he's using that as an illustration. And then, he, then in verse 7, he says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. Here's what he's saying. Just like when God's timing hit back then and the water came, it, there, it's kept in store now until the right time. And it says the word is kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that the day, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In other words, don't, don't panic if it doesn't happen tomorrow. He said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But when one day is like a thousand years to him, it, it, that, think about that. He's coming back. This all is going to take place. Yeah, Verse 9. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. This knocks Calvinism in the head right here. And it's not even really there. You'd read right over it, wouldn't think a thing about it, but it was on my mind when I was doing all this. Look what it says. <laughs> Let me back up. The Lord is not slack concerning the, concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. 
Not just a chosen few or elect few. Everybody. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. <clears throat> in the which the heavens shall pass away. And the great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation, your daily walk and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. Help us to glean something out of this. Help me to say exactly what needs to be said and that you'll, you'll just bless your word tonight. Everyone here will receive something from you and in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Now, what we have here is, is you know, he's saying it's going to happen. This is going to happen. Someday in the future, everything's going to be burned up. Now, we've all heard about that, and we, most people, the world out here refers to it as the Battle of Armageddon. No, it's not. It's not the Battle of Armageddon, but it is going to happen. Now, as he's saying that everything's going to be burned up, I remember when I first got saved, and I was, I'd read this and hear it preached, and I thought, oh, man, all the golf courses are going to be burned up. That's, that's shame. And then I thought, man, all the Harley Davidson's going to be burned up. That's really bad. And I just kept going through my mind. And then I thought, well, it doesn't matter anyway. Everything's going to be burned up. Couldn't play golf as you here. So the thing is, we need to understand what Peter's trying to get across to these people. Keep your mind on eternal things, not temporal things. And he says, "What man, knowing these things, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? What manner, so seeing that we know here tonight, we all know, okay, this is going to happen. Everything's going to be gone. Shopping malls are gone. The cars are gone. The houses are gone. The banks are gone. The mayors are gone. Everything's gone. And because of that, he says, then what manner of person ought you to be? So stop and think about that. What should we be doing? What should we be doing as a child of God? What should we be doing Besides looking at temporal things, well, we should be searching, examining, and looking for things with eternal consequences, eternal reward, eternal things that will last for eternity. Amen. We, we, got, we got to get our mind on these things. Now, if they don't have an eternal value, then you can put all you want to in it now, but it's not going to last. It's, it's not going to be there. So let's look at some things that that you and I as a child of God, maybe some things that we should look at and see what we should be doing. Now, I want you to notice something here that I'm going to read a few scriptures. I'm not going to turn to them. I'm just going to read some of these scriptures. Now, when I said we should be searchers, we should be seekers and examiners of things with eternal purpose, eternal value, eternal consequences. Here's what the Bible says. Colossians chapter three, seek those things which are above, plain and simple. Seek those things which are above. Amen. The next verse says, set your affections on things above. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. Think about things above. Put, that's where your affections are. That's where everything is. You're, you're thinking you're heavenly minded, so to speak. You're thinking of everything for God and God's glory. And you're laying it up in the future. A great retirement program. Amen. Now listen to this scripture. Jesus says this. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's, and boy, that's the truth. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when you think about this, the scriptures tell us to do this. Don't do that and do this. I want you to think about this. When I said search, God is a searcher. Jesus was a searcher, is a searcher. The Holy Spirit is a searcher. So if God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are searchers, you and I need to be searchers. But what we search might be a little different than what they search. So with that in mind, let's think about this. Since we're looking for things eternal, eternal consequence, what about this? The human soul is an eternal existence. 
Every human soul will spend eternity somewhere. It's an eternal thing. It doesn't go away when people die. It doesn't go off into the spirit world. It goes into a place that God has designated for saved people and lost people. So you and I, as a child of God, it seems to me like one of our priorities, searching for things with eternal purpose and eternal value, would be we would be searching for lost souls. We would be searching, turning over the rocks and looking for someone or anyone that we can help lead them or show them the scriptures and teach them how to be saved. We should be searchers. We should be searchers. Well, God, this is another deal that kind of does away with your Calvinism. In Genesis chapter 3, we find God searching for who? Adam. Why was he searching for Adam? He's a lost sinner. That's right. Jesus is searching for him. He knows where he is, but he's still searching for him. And what does he do when he finds him? He offers him a plan to cover his sins. Amen. That's right. Before the foundation of the earth, the 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 future, the future Messiah was going to come and take permanent care of those sins. Now, so God was a searcher. He was looking for lost people. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus is a searcher. Man, you, every time you, just about every time you read about the Lord, he's searching for lost people. Goes out of his way to, to find people, to, to, to show them to cry, to, to tell he's the Messiah. The woman at the well, he went out of his way to do that. And other people said, what are you doing dealing with her? And he, and he showed her that he's the Messiah. He educated her. The Holy Spirit illuminated her and she got saved. Amen. Same way you and I got saved. So we find that Jesus is a searcher. He was always looking. Why, was, why, were they, why is God a searcher? Why are they doing this? Because lost people don't seek after God. Romans chapter 3 tells us, I had a lot of trouble with that when I got saved. And I read that and I thought, that's not true. <laughs> you know, I was a Bible scholar at that point. I've been saved a month or two. I thought, that ain't true. I was searching for God when I got saved. But then after I, after I got a little bit of common sense, got some sense, read the word distinctly, I realized, no, he was searching me. Amen. He was searching me. He was pulling me. I wasn't doing nothing. I was just along for the ride. It was my decision to say yes or no. So Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me in John chapter 14. Did he say that? Now, how does he do that? The Holy Spirit of God draws people to the cross of Calvary. That's what he did to me. That's what he did to you. So the Holy Spirit is searching and drawing people to God and to Jesus Christ. But, but. Just because we have that going on. God doing the searching. Jesus doing the searching. And Holy Spirit involved in all of this. We got to understand this. God uses mankind. To do that kind of work. He uses mankind. Now. I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm not going to read these scriptures over in Acts. Most of you know the story about Philip and the Ethiopian unit. Okay. Here's Philip. He's over here in. in, in and an angel comes to him and says, you get over to Gaza. So he went. He gets over to Gaza. Then the, the spirit says, he, he saw this chariot up and the spirit says, go near to that chariot. Philip goes up there and he asks the man, he said, what are you reading? He said, understand what you're reading. He said, how can I understand it? I need somebody to make sense. <laughs> anyway, I better get off of that. So Philip did what? He brought, he got his theology book out. And he started spouting off. No, he preached unto him Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Yeah. And guess what? He got saved. Yeah. He got saved. Now, wait a minute. God used Philip to do that. He, the, the angel told him to go. The Holy Spirit said, go up there. The angel could have done it faster and easier. But God chose a man Amen. to go present the scriptures yeah. to this Ethiopian man who had traveled a long distance to, and found nothing that satisfied that longing in his heart and his soul. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing about Philip. 
Philip, now I'm going to have to, I'm going to throw some stuff out here that you can say, well, you don't know that for sure. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this. Do you think Philip was busy serving God at that point in his life? I believe he was. Do you think Philip was prepared to lead somebody to Christ? Do you think he was willing to go? Now, God knew all of this before he told him to go. He sends this messenger, this angel, and says, you go get that done. So Philip went and did exactly what he was told to do. But listen, Philip had to be ready to do it. He had to be prepared to do it. And he had to be willing to leave the comfort and go to this place that says it was in the desert. I don't know how deserty it was because there was water enough to get baptized. But here's Philip. He's following these instructions. And he had to have been ready. He had to have had the, the, the want to and the willingness to do whatever God asked him to do. And that's who God chooses to do his work. Amen. He chooses people that are busy serving him. Serves in him. There was a man, his name is Stearwalt, Randy Stearwalt. He's a missionary in Kenya. He made a statement at a, at a, at a missions conference one time, and, and he, we know it's not true. He did too, but he, it's something he, that's on his heart. And he says, I, want, I hope I get to introduce all of those souls in Kenya to the Lord. Now, he knows that's not going to happen. But he, that's, that's in his heart. He sure wants to do that. Yeah. And I got to thinking about that. Well, do I have some souls that I want to, that I get to introduce? Do I have some folks that I've led to the Lord that I would like to introduce to the Lord? Do you? Do we have someone like that? That's something we ought to think about. I mean, it's not going to happen. We're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to march through on our own. But it is something to think about, isn't it? So we find that we, as God's children, need to be searchers for lost people, for lost souls, because they are eternal. Now, now, here's something we need to be aware of. And this will eliminate a lot of false doctrine. It'll eliminate a lot of heresy. And it, it'll keep us on the narrow path if we'll do it. And that is we need to look or search for the truth. Search for the truth. Well, where is the truth? It's right here. Amen. It's right here. We don't need Phil, Dr. Phil. We don't need him. We don't need any of them people. Here's what we need right here. We need the scriptures and we need the Holy Spirit of God to illuminate it to us so we can understand it. We need preachers and teachers that preach and teach to us so that we can understand it, so we can apply it to our lives and so we can be used of God in this word. So we need to search the scriptures. Listen to this scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing it. In other words, if we're rightly dividing this word, then Calvinism is gone. Huh? Sprinkling is gone. Losing your salvation is gone. If we search these scriptures and study it out, we will find that it just makes sense. That if God, if you're born into the family of God, that you're in the family of God and you can't become unborn any more than you can become unborn now. Yeah, it's amen. just common sense. We need to, if we just use some common sense. Now, so we need to rightly divide the word of God. Listen to this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Amen. That's what it's for. This word of God will do everything in a child of God's life that we need to direct our life, to direct our path, to illuminate the way that God wants us to go and illuminate the best way for us to go that's better for us, our family, and everybody involved. The word of God will light that path if we'll stay in it and study it. Yeah. But we have to study it to show thyself approved. Now, well, that's for preachers. That's studying the Bible and getting all that. Them preachers are supposed to do that. They are. You're right. But so are us. What do you mean by that? Well, let me ask you something. Peter put it this way. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. 
that you may grow thereby. Amen. That's right. Now, is he talking to preachers? No. No. What he's saying is, a child of God should desire the milk of the Word of God so we can grow spiritually. And after a few, after we drink that milk and we, we desire that milk, we want that milk, before long we get to eat a steak and potatoes. But the milk is what we need to grow spiritually. And every once in a while we got to go back and get back into that milk and get back deep in that and say, okay, here's where I'm fouled up. And go ahead and go right back again. But it's in the Word of God. And Peter says, desire it. Desire it. Desire it so you can grow Amen. thereby. <clears throat> I, uh, I'm going to skip that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to skip that. I, I had your preacher's name and I'm not going to do that. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> now, we talked about the Word of God, studying the Word of God, getting involved in the Word of God, that it, it, we, can grow, we can grow spiritually stronger. Here's something else that the Word of God will do if we've got it. If we've got it, and we're out soul winning, we're talking to people about the Lord, and we present the, the gospel to them, whether you use the Romans road or whatever you use, when we present that to them and they don't want it, they refuse it. They say no. Here's what a child of God does. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Is that right? No. I know a guy got kicked out of counseling out the county jail because he did that. Now at the county jail, I thought that inmate was going to get him. And I didn't care if he did. No, so what do we do? Can we come back and talk to you again? Not really. Well, listen, we were using the Bible they had. Well, you go over these scriptures we, we just read. Well, you go over them and read them and, 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 and do it. Just go over them again. Or would you take this track and read this track? You know why? Because the Word of God is living. Amen. That's right. And that Word of God, the Holy Spirit can take that seed you planted yeah. and they read that scripture and the Holy Spirit can witness to them in a way we can't yeah. and they might just get saved all by themselves and we're not there to shouting hallelujah yeah. well I don't believe anybody gets saved by themselves mm -hmm. I don't believe that well then I ain't saved because I was all by myself when I got saved Amen. God at work been witnessing me for over two weeks over two weeks he'd been talking to me scripture after scripture over and over and over and I and I, you, got, you don't know who I was back then but I was a mess one night at home, I realized I really don't believe in God. And that scared me. I really didn't believe in God. And about a week later, I was home all by myself. And the Holy Spirit was dealing with me. And I said, I believe in God. I believe in God. And I had a little green New Testament that I have no idea where it came from. I believe it was the Gideons back then. And I had read in that scripture about being saved. The God worker told me. So I said, then everything in that book is true. So all I got to do is ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin and believe that he will and that he rose from the dead and I can be saved. I got down on my knees and that's what happened. All by myself. Amen. Just me and the Lord and the Holy Amen. Spirit and God the Father. Amen. Got to go to work the next day and tell the guy what happened. Wasn't really, I didn't really have to explain it to him. He said, you got saved. That's what happened anyway. Amen. But, I mean, but that's what happened, folks. The Word of God is, is sharp and is powerful and it can do things we can't do with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, just like when Philip was going to that unit, did you notice that the Holy Spirit was involved in that? And he said, you go up there. Just, he said, you go up there. And that's the way we ought to understand this. There's going to be times in our lives when there will be somebody put in our path that God has put them there specifically for us to witness to that individual. With them. You and them. And them only. Do you remember the first time you witnessed somebody after you got saved? Were you scared to death and couldn't really say what you, what you needed to say? I was. I was scared to death. I walked all the way across that freight dock to a guy and I walked in and I said, Pleasure. I said, I need to talk to you about something. What is it? What is it? Because I knew I'd, you know, they'd look at that hippie and you're different now. 
And I said, I was going to talk to you about getting saved. And I, I, I didn't know what to tell him other than what happened to me. And I bet he was more confused than I was. But, but, that's, but I felt, going back across the dock, I felt so good. I felt so good that I did what I know God wanted me to do. Amen. And folks, that's what we do. We don't get them saved. The Holy Spirit does that. That's Jesus' God and the Holy Spirit's job. We are to sow the seed. Sow the seed. So, we study the Word of God for that reason. Now, we also need to be searchers of ourselves. Searchers of ourselves. Number one, am I really saved? Am I really saved? Do I know for sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven? Do I know 100% sure? Do I know for sure I have been born again in the Spirit of God? Like Jesus said, you must be born again. We need to, you need to search that out. The Bible, there's many scriptures. I wrote a few down. Here's one of them. It says, examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. How about this one? The Holy Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If there's something going on in your life, you're, you're trying your best to live a Christian life and you're going to church and you're doing all these things, but there's something just wrong, it could very well be that you're not a child of God. That you need to be born again into the family of God. You need to search yourself and make, make your calling and election sure in that matter. That you know, you know, you know, you're saved. It says that over in First John. That you know, you know, Amen. that you're right. saved. Yeah. Now, Amen. how about this one? Let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself. There's not a person, and that goes for women too. That's mankind, okay? Yeah, you're not getting off the hook, reading. You're not going to do it. Here's the thing. Over in, and we're going to read that scripture here in a minute, but over in Psalms, David, you know, David had a lot of problems. And David is going through, it's in Psalms 129, or 139, let me turn over there. David is going through the process here, and he's searching himself. He's doing a good job of searching himself, and he, and he gets down to the end of chapter 139, and here's what he says. Search me, O God. Boy, that's a, that's a tremendous statement. That's a scary statement. When you ask God to search you, that's a, that's a serious thing. Look what he said. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Everlasting. He says, God, I, he, he had poured out his heart. He had done all the searching, but now he gets down to the point. He says, God, if there's any wicked thing in me, point it out. I want to get rid of it. I want, to, I want it to be brought up to my mind so I can go to you and I can get down on my knees and I can do what 1 John 1, 9 says and I can confess my sins and he'll forgive me of those sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's what David was looking for. That's what you and I need to look for. And we need to search ourselves, not just every once in a while. We need to do that on a continual basis because we are sinners, folks. We're just sinners. Anybody that would send a picture of somebody to a man in his church and him not even be the same person, that guy needs to, he's got sin in his life. He needs to get to the altar. You know what I mean? He needs, he needs to do a little search, soul searching here. I, I love to have fun with your preacher. I, I really do. He gets even with me. Don't worry about it. But listen. If this world, I'm going to cut to the chase here. The prisoners down there, they are really excited for the most part. Because they've got this divinity program going on. We've got another program going on. And they're bringing in 40 more. They're, they're picking these, these, these inmates from all the different institutions. And they're bringing them into LARC. And they're going to have another pod just for this new group. And everybody's all excited down there. And they're saying, man, that we're going to turn this yard around. We're going to turn this yard upside down. And I said, guys, listen to me. When, you're, when this new chapter came in here about nine years ago, this yard has changed and turned around. But it's not because of one individual. It's God doing that. But here's the thing. Here's what I told these guys. 
There's a guy named, uh, uh, let me go ahead and do this. There's a preacher named Orr. I believe it's pronounced Orr, O-R-R, J. Edward Orr. He was an evangelist way back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. He died in 87, I think. But he was involved in some of the great revivals back at that time, and he wrote four or five books on revivals that people say some of the best reading you'll ever get. He was preaching in New Zealand, and it got so, it caught on, it caught on so, so fast and so, so furious, they had to start a midnight service to get the people in there. They couldn't get them all in there and long enough. They started a midnight service. And here's what he said. Now, this is a man that wrote books about revival. He was an evangelist preacher over there. And here's what he said. What happened was the people that were away from God started getting right with God. They started cleaning their act up. And the fire started burning in them. And then the, the lost people saw that. They wanted some. They wanted to come around that. And they, they were out there witnessing the people, talking to people about the Lord. And that thing just kept going and going and going. But what kicked it off was Christians started getting right with God. Amen. That's what revival is. You know that, don't yeah, you? That's right. You can't revive something that's dead. That's right. That hasn't never been alive. And here's what he said. He was talking to a young man years later over here in the United States and this Bible college student talking to him. He said, can I talk to you after the lecture? He said, okay. He asked him a bunch of questions and then finally he said, preacher, can I ask you one final question? Okay. He says, what can I do to bring revival except pray? That's what this young Bible college student asked this man of God. And immediately, didn't even hesitate, he said, let it begin with you. Let it begin with you. And that young man said he never looked at revivals again like he had before. Let it begin with you. That's what was happening in New Zealand when that was going on. It was happening with individuals. And all of a sudden it catches on and people are getting saved. People are getting back right with God just over and over and over. Amen. Now, now, I want to read you a song. I'm going to try to read you a song. This same man, this, this orb, he wrote this song. Now he's, he's a preacher, he's not a songwriter. So I don't know who put the music to it. Here's what it says. It's probably in the songbook. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Here's the fourth verse. O Holy Ghost, revival. Let me get it where I can see it. O Holy Ghost, <clears throat> O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival. Start the work in me. In me. The word declares, thou wilt supply our need. For blessings, now, O Lord, I humbly plead. That's called, search me, O God. Written back in, I believe, 1936. That's the kind of stuff that this man understood what it took to have a revival. And that's for God's people to be revived themselves. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that claim to be Christians that are far, far from what God wants them to be. Far from it. There's a lot of people that have never been educated. They've never received the proper teaching. They've never received that. But listen, God wants to have a revival right here in this area. Amen. How do you know that? Because he, yeah. he, he, he's searching. Amen. He's looking. That's right. God knows all of his children that are a guilty distance away from him. God knows his children that have been called to a certain ministry and they're not involved in it. God knows the children that, have been, that he has that he has not really called them to be a teacher, preacher, or a Sunday school teacher, anything like that. 
Maybe just to be a prayer warrior, just a witness, just to hand out tracts. And they're not doing it. We're not doing it. <coughs> so like I tried to get across to the men down there, it has to start with you. It has to start with you. You and I have to let our light shine in a way that it represents Christ and lost people, whether they admit it or not, would sure like to know more about that. They'd sure like to have that. Amen. That's right. I had two men come to me that I, one of them I played golf with all the time on Sunday and every other time, gambled and all that. Another guy was just a friend of mine. They said, they, one of them walked over where I worked and come up to me out where I was out putting a tractor trailer together. He said, Jerry, I'd give anything if I had what you got. If I had what you got. I'd give him the plan of salvation before. I'd give it to him again. And I said, Ray, it's free. You can have it. All you have to do is repent of your sins, ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins, believe in your heart. He died lost. He died lost. Another good friend of mine, I grew up all through school with him, sports, after school, after we graduated and all that. Went over to his house one night and he's laying on the couch with shingles. He's hurting. I witnessed to him. I went all through the plan of salvation. His wife's sitting in one chair. And after I go through about 30 minutes, and he looks up at me and he said, Jerry, I'd give anything to have what you've got. I said, Roy, I've told I've laid it out, and here's how you can have this. You can have this. He died lost. He died lost. Isn't that a shame? Well, you didn't do it right. I might not have. But I tried. I tried. I did my best. The man who was sick on his couch, I'll just throw this out there. I was preaching a couple of Sundays later on a Sunday morning, and we never announce it. Never. But one of the men at the church, one of the associates, goes over, knocks on his door, and says, Jerry's preaching Sunday morning. You need to come hear him preach. And here he came. He's sitting in the audience. And I love Jonah. And I was preaching on Jonah that morning, and I kept saying, you got to throw Jonah overboard. I point right at him. You got to throw Jonah overboard. You got to accept the sacrifice for sin. Shameful, isn't it? Shameful. So here's what I'd like to close with Are you searching? Are you doing what God has for you to do? Now, there's something we don't have to ask. We know we're supposed to be faithful in church. We know we're supposed to read our Bible. We know we're supposed to tithe. We understand all these things. Well, let me tell you something. We're supposed to be witnesses also. Yeah. Right. Not only verbally, but in our daily walk, yeah. our daily life. Amen. Are you doing those things? Are you saved? Are you saved? Jesus said you must be born again if you want to go to heaven. Yeah, that's right. Let me ask you, if you die tonight, would you go to heaven? Are you 100% sure? You can come to this altar. And this preacher will show you in the scriptures how you can walk out that door on the road to heaven. Or you can walk out that door on the same road to hell you're on now. That's your choice. That's your choice. Jesus paid the price for the sins of the whole world. But each individual has to accept that in their own heart, not up here, not up here. That's right. That's right. Amen. Well, brother Jerry, I don't, I don't, uh, I just don't know what I can do. I don't, I don't, I don't have any skills. I don't have any abilities. I, I don't know what I could do. Well, let me give you an example, okay? Let me give you an example. Some of the men down at Lark, some of the inmates, I call them men. I don't hardly recall inmates. Some of the men got together and they said we're, they were trying to find a ministry they could do. You know what they started doing? They go over to the lunchroom, to the cafeteria, whatever you want to call it, and they clean the tables and they clean the floor. So when one group comes in and eat, it's a mess. They take the tray and dump it, but it's a mess. They sweep the floor, they mop the floor, they clean every table and it's clean for the next group to come in. Now those men are over there letting their light shine. 
Amen. Those lost people are seeing these, these, these crazy Christians over here doing this. But in their heart, they're saying, man, these people are really got something serious in their life. Yeah. They're serving the Lord, sweeping floors yeah. and wiping off tables. And that's such a light to those men down there. It's incredible that they're doing that. I got so excited when I heard them talking about setting that up. And they're doing it. And they're successful with it. They got it okayed by the warden and everybody else. They don't get paid for it. They do it on their own. They do it on their own time. They do it on their own energy. And they even have some volunteers on who it is, giving them a few supplies to, to help them when they, with their work. Amen. So don't ever say, don't ever say, I can't do anything. I don't have any ability. I don't have any ability. Those men are sweeping floors. And God's going to bless them for it. Might be some souls saved over the whole deal. You just don't know. You just don't know. Are you saved tonight? Are you born again? When I was lost, I was reading that little green New Testament. And I had read about this lady that came up to Jesus when he was eating with some, I didn't know who they were back then, the Pharisees. And she stood behind him and she was started crying. And she started washing his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with the hair of her head. And then she anointed them with oil and she was kissing his feet. When I read that and I was lost, I thought, well, what in the world is, what, I don't, what, that lady's nuts. Can you imagine his feet walking around in sandals all the time like that? But when I got saved, God brought that scripture to my remembrance and I knew how that lady felt. I knew Amen. how she felt. Amen. And my hair was long enough, I could have probably done it. <laughs> but folks, listen. It's serving the Lord. That's all that lady was doing. She was doing what she could. She was doing what she could to her Savior. Thankful for what he had done for her. So if we're mindful and we're thankful of what God has done for us, we ought to be sharing it with others. It ought to be evident and, and exist in our own life. We ought to be exhibiting Christ in our life. Father, let's all stand if you would, please. Father, thank you tonight for the scriptures. And God, I pray that if there is someone here, I don't, I don't know, but you do. If there's someone here that does not know you as our personal Savior, would you convict their heart in a way tonight that they'll step out and let us show them in the scriptures how they can be saved? Would you do that? Father, we want to ask you also that if there's some here that, that, that know they're just not doing what God really wants them to do. They're backing off. They're just not living the life they should. They're not living the life they should. Their life's not as bright as it should be. God, would you convict them tonight and that may everyone here do what the Holy Spirit is convicting them to do. And in Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Amen.